0: Hmm. Amazing. It's absolutely amazing. But under the right circumstances, a producer could make more money with a flop than he could with a hit. Mm. Yes, it's quite possible.
1: Welcome to the NFC Least Show, the show about everything that's bad and ugly in the NFC East. I'm Sean Raftery, joined. Bye, Sean Williams. What's up, buddy? How you doing?
0: I'm about a 4 out of 10, I think. Doing okay.
1: <laughs> a 4 out of 10? <laughs> yeah,
0: you know, mediocre.
1: Is it, is it the election that's coming up? Is that it?
0: Oh, it's that and everything that we have to talk about today. So, <laughs> <laughs> many facts.
1: That's fair. That's fair. So yeah, I mean, let's just jump right into it. Um, we are, for those of you joining us new, as you all will be, uh, I am an Eagles fan. Sean is a Giants fan. Williams is a Giants fan. So this week was pretty big for us. The Eagles played the Giants on Thursday night. And we got a lot. There's a lot that went on in that game. Um, I think first, we, we got to open up with the DJ run, right? The Daniel Jones, Danny Dimes'
0: 80-yarder. Yeah. Yeah. That... <laughs> Let's start with that. The moment it was happening, like the moment he... Like his legs started going sideways like a cartoon character. I knew it was gonna be like a meme everywhere. Like it before was before I even processed like the run itself. You know,
1: obviously I was laughing my ass off, but I like you know, I texted you during it that I, I was really happy the Giants scored because I wanted it to be a moment that we could all appreciate as just objectively hilarious that had no bearing on the outcome of the game, really. Because it was magisterial, the way that just from twenty yards out you could tell he was just getting so top heavy that he he just couldn't keep his body up anymore. It
0: was incredible. The look in his eyes was sheer panic. Uh, it was like he was being chased by a bear, and uh, you could tell, like you
1: could tell, he was emotionally processing it. In right, real time, you know, like, right? Like, like when you rewatch I, it, you like, you can I tell. I've
0: all been there too. Like in some <laughs> way, like the moment before you fall off the raft or like go down the <laughs> stairs or something like that. Like there's that half second of like, oh, I'm about to eat it right now. Uh, except he did it on live television, and you're right. Thank God he didn't throw a pick right after it or something because that would be like a traumatic. I think that yeah. would ruin his career. Yeah, uh,
1: you know, people were calling it you know, equivalent to the butt fumble, the Mark Sanchez butt fumble on Thanksgiving. And I, I really don't see it. Like to me that highlighted what is good about Daniel Jones. And I I think, I think he deserves props for what topping out. What what was the advanced stat? Like 20 miles per hour. Yeah. He was was running at.
0: It was like the fastest QB mile per hour time since Lamar Jackson in 2018 (laughs) or something.
1: Look at that guy go. And but he did like the white guy relatable thing and he didn't stick the landing and <laughs> had an emotionally, emotionally <laughs> traumatic experience while falling down. And I think yeah. we all I think we all saw ourselves in Daniel Jones at that moment. And I am <laughs> <laughs> really happy I saw it.
0: <laughs> oh man. It's such a and you're it's not like the butt fumble because the butt fumble what makes the butt fumble spectacular is to me how violently Sanchez goes down. Like he was hit by a two by four. It's so instant um, when in reality he just ran into a butt uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and then that leads to the fumble and whatnot like maybe if Jones had fumbled the ball and like I don't know it's hard to imagine I, th- I think people just want a new butt fumble and I my argument is we need to savor the butt fumble for what it is which is like a once in millennia experience yeah. We're never gonna improve on.
1: It. yeah I mean each of these each of these meme worthy plays, I, I think deserve to stand on their own legs yeah. and be appreciated for what they are, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um. And I I think there's a lot to love in the DJ run, and trip. Um. I'm happy it was a plus play for you guys. Uh. Obviously, I'm happy the Eagles ended up winning the game. Uh. I I guess that's a good place to transition. Yeah. Into it. Uh. The Eagles probably shouldn't have won that game. <laughs> I, I, there was a moment in the fourth quarter where I was pretty emotionally numb and checked out as if a loss was coming. I think it was what the Sterling Shepard or who caught the, who caught the touchdown to go up 2110.
0: Uh, was that Slayton or Shepard? That was Shepard.
1: All right. Yeah. Yeah. When, whenever that score happened and it was six, it was a two score game with six mm-hmm. minutes left. Uh, I, I was pretty confident the Eagles were not going to be able to move the ball um, to even get the one score back. Um. Right we were lucky to get a high tower like a, like a 70 yarder. Um, but even that was only one score back. We missed the two point conversion. The giants had plenty of time to ice it. And we get a, uh, we get an Evan Ingram alligator arm scenario. Oh I, I I think you need to go off. I think you need a lot to get off your chest. I think, okay, let's, let's in general, like let's open up a bit and just talk about the giants offense. Um, I, I think, you know, when I look at the Eagles, um, maybe this is just my Eagles fan. I watch them week in, week out mm-hmm. perspective. I see a team that has major deficiencies at certain levels of both offense and defense, but maybe have the pieces at other levels to still salvage games. Right. Sure. Um when I look at the Giants, um I feel like you guys don't really have much on defense um uh, besides the secondary, which is bailing you out of a lot of games. You're not getting a lot of push up front. Um, I guess the linebackers seem pedestrian and serviceable, but not game breakers in and of themselves. And on the flip side, on offense, you would think a Giants defense that is kind of pedestrian should be serviceable enough to win games. And it seems like it, but it's the offense that's really kind of holding you guys back at this point, it feels like. Nothing seems like you're always kind of playing from behind. Seems like you're always kind of... Uh, you can't really break a game open with any of your players on offense right now.
0: No, absolutely. And I think that's a pretty accurate summary. The defense is has decent players everywhere. I think guys who, you know, are making NFL rosters and maybe been starting on some other teams. I don't think that there's too many amazing players on the Giants defense. James Bradbury has been a real bright spot this year uh, at cornerback, but otherwise, you know, some some good players, but nobody great. Um, but the offense really has that issue where they can't close the door on teams. They can't run down the clock when they need to. They don't have big playmakers. Um, They take bad penalties and sacks. Their field position is terrible time of possession, non-existent. And I think it really speaks to one, the lack of, uh setting the Dano Jones question aside, I think the lack of real speedster skill players um on the roster in general, especially with Saquon out. So for a quick rundown, you have, you know, a guy like Golden Tate, who is well past his prime at this point, kind of just a niche possession receiver. I know he got a touchdown on Thursday, but um that had more to do with a, a
1: yeah. bad Schwartz call on the yeah. coverage than it did Tate's ability to really <laughs> exactly. separate.
0: It was, yeah, it was a really contested catch. And I think it was Roby Coleman maybe on him, and Tate yeah. just came it, down. It, it
1: was, it was, it was hung over Craven LeBlanc a bit in the oh, slot. LeBlanc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. yeah. <laughs> Which it, it, I, he had good coverage, but uh, Danny Dines put it in a good place. Tate has the physicality still to win yeah. that ball. It's just, where was the safety? That was my question. Uh, like that, that route should be bracketed, I think, but anyway, I, I digress.
0: Yeah. I think Shepard, you put in the same category, kind of a good hands move the sticks type of guy on third down, you know, good, good receiver to have when he's healthy, which is rare at this point. But, and then you get to, you know, my favorite Evan Ingram, uh, who is basically, a good theoretical football player and a bad practical one. Um, I think he's the kind of guy who lights up scouts eyes because they think like, Oh, this is a mismatch. Um, That's, that's the word you heard a lot with Evan Ingram. When the giants drafted him back when Jerry Reese was still the GM was, he's going to be a a nightmare mismatch guy, you know, Uh, because he runs a four, four and whatnot. I don't think he's he a, runs he's that a fast shorts pads. guy. He's, he's not a pads guy. He's a shorts guy. That's yeah, what you exactly. think, right? That, that's that's really it. He can't block. He's not big or physical to the ball. Um, so he's not a big like red zone lob threat or anything like that. Uh, and he's not that fast. He's not a yards after the catch burner. And he drops a lot of passes. He had obviously what we've talked about. He alligator armed that ball that would have really sealed the game. the game for the giants down the stretch. And also in- the interception earlier that game um, Jones kind of fastballed one in there and Ingram tried to one handed, not a good throw by Jones admittedly, but also not a play where you want your first round theoretically star tight end to bounce the ball straight up in the air.
1: I yeah, know. that that's sort of what I was getting at in my intro. And I, I want to give the giants some respect because, because I do think that, they are moving the ball well in the past couple of weeks. They've put together some drives. You can you can sense that mm-hmm. Daniel Jones is getting a little more confident in that in that new offense now. Uh but they're not it's pretty clear to me at least that they planned a lot of their volume to run through Saquon this year. And that's sort of how the roster was constructed. The the wide receivers are serviceable but pedestrian they're uh they're replacement level guys but good enough to be weapons in a offense that has the majority of its attention going someplace else you yeah, know and i don't think um, it's a
0: coincidence that both tate and Shepard are very good blockers i think yeah. that was a big selling point in you know the physicality the, the imagined giants offense
1: yeah and, and i think I think that's a fair route to take, but obviously a little bit unlucky uh, to lose Saquon for the year, given that construction. But then you lose a guy like that. You're looking around your your roster. Who's going to step up? Feels like the coaches, the GM, the town, the papers,
0: <laughs> uh,
1: the, rate, the sports radio. Everyone wants it to be Evan Ingram, but I'm tuning in to Thursday Night Football, and I'm seeing him produce two negative plays that arguably cost the giants this game
0: yeah and there is a little bit i think you sent me this stat earlier And daniel jones this year throwing to evan ingram has a passer rating of 35 that's uh, insane which is he literally i think would do better if he threw the ball into the ground every single time
1: i'm pretty <laughs> sure
0: his passer rating would be higher
1: it just um, i mean to me it's like I actually don't think it's that big of a problem to have a passer rating of 35 going to your tight end. But then why is it Evan Ingram and not just like create a player Madden 2004, chunky white guy?
0: Yeah. The out Kevin there? Boss archetype. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah like I, I don't <laughs> I don't get it. That, that guy costs so much less, you know? Uh and you is as productive. And probably is a better blocker for Wayne Gallman.
0: You know, like, I, I think there's a lot to be said for when you have a guy like Ingram who is a theoretical mismatch and you're the offensive coordinator and probably a lot of, you're spending a lot of time during the week thinking, how can we unleash Ingram on them? You know, how can we make a big play happen? And I just think when you are focusing, when you're forcing it that hard, it doesn't, create a natural offensive flow. I often felt this way actually when Odell played for the Giants too. And even Odell on the Browns, I think you will see a lot of Browns fans have a similar criticism that Mayfield's connection to Odell seems precarious because it feels so forced. Um, When you try to feed targets to a guy, I think it, it can lead to an awkward play calling style and an awkward offense. The Giants try to get Ingram involved on like some weird, double handoff type situations, some like trickery in the backfield that really went nowhere. But I think it speaks to larger giants problems about how they view talent and how they're trying to construct a roster. Um, Ingram has another year left on his deal. We'll see if they move him for some sort of pick at the deadline. Uh, I'm not too confident, but I, I don't see, I don't think he's like an awful player. I just don't see the huge benefit he adds to this Giants team, which really more than anything needs boring, fundamental, you know, possession catching out of their tight end rather than theoretical deep ball, you know, breakaway plays. Uh, But what what can you do? I mean, this is a rebuilding team. If you can get anything for him or if, if you're not winning with him at this point, he's a kind of luxury that only a winning team can afford. So I don't know. It's 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 over and done with. They should. And, I, and I'm over. I have nothing left to say about it. It's, it's honestly making me depressed right now. Let's move on. Let's move on, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: let's, let's move on to Washington, Dallas. Uh, I, I didn't I, I didn't watch this game, but I did watch the highlights. and <laughs> that's, That qualifies me to talk about this. Good. Um. I think I think we, we got to spend most of the time here talking about the Cowboys because they, past two years, you're going into uh, the season thinking them and the Eagles are probably the consensus favorites. And through eight weeks this year, and also the same story last year, both teams are massively underperforming, but perhaps the Cowboys are the biggest disappointment of the two. Um, uh, some of it's out of their control. Obviously, Prescott having his ankle that was bad eviscerated <laughs> yeah. um, is not something that you plan for in an off season or expect from your team.
0: Yeah, weirdly, they kind of did as much as they could.
1: Yeah, they. I mean, they we're seeing the the uh, the break glass in case of emergency plan now in a twenty two to three loss to the Redskins. <laughs> Or the the Washington football team apologize. No, Um, yeah, I'm not gonna get over it. Uh, (laughs) It's gonna take you like a year. Um, It honestly, when I when I see it like written, I'm fine. Um, But like in my head, thinking of these four lovable Munchkin teams (laughs) in this division, it's still
0: Redskins in my head. Anyway, yeah, I think um, think part of that is because you just associate them with the kind of incompetence that we're seeing again this year. Oh yeah,
1: it's the same team. They they've (laughs) changed the name, but they're still the team that would call themselves the Redskins until two thousand (laughs) twenty. (laughs) Like, let's get to the Cowboys. Uh, We're seeing what this team is, even without Prescott, and it's an atrocious. Defense, historically bad defense. 40, 39 to the Falcons, 38 to the Seahawks, 49 to the Browns, 34 to the Giants, and 38 to the Cardinals this is over five weeks. Back. Five straight weeks.
0: Jeez, man. So when you look at that, you have to think first of all, averaging that many points to the Giants alone is very <laughs> bad very That bad was bad. their
1: best performance through, well, through yeah. five weeks it should have been. <laughs>
0: uh, but so they have new head coach obviously who has brought on his own coaching staff minus um, Kellen Moore who has remained the offensive coordinator so you can blame uh, Nolan who is the defensive coordinator I guess you could put the blame at McCarthy's feet but I also look at some of the guys that they've had on this roster for a couple years now um, who have big contracts and can't do anything with it. Uh, I am talking specifically about DeMarcus Lawrence, who is kind of a primo defensive end, um, on paper a couple of years ago, he absolutely raked up sacks. Uh, and this year he's got two sacks. I think he gets paid just slightly less than Aaron Donald, uh, and he's done almost nothing. He has three tackles for a loss. It's been, and that's the kind of thing I think when you earn a tenuous cap position, like the Cowboys are, you just can't afford to have a guy who who needs to play at honestly like a Hall of Fame level or close to it as what he's being paid, and he's just not showing up. He's another one of Jerry's favorites, man. That that's that is a big institutional problem. Is Jerry likes his guys and he sticks up for them. And in a way I find that admirable, but it's not clearly not great football sense, especially when, you know, it's kind of the definition of paying for past performance, right? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I think everybody could have looked at Demarcus Lawrence's 2017 and 2018 seasons and said, okay, you know, this seems kind of out of nowhere. He had, one sack the year before like what are we really working with here but i think jerry saw the next great cowboys legend you know potentially
1: but yeah, I, I mean for real like i i think he has these, these archetypes the way he talks about it right is like yeah it's a cowboys player that's a cowboys quarterback you know and i i, I he it's it's sunk cost fallacy to the max man like
0: I I don't think it helps. So I don't know if you saw this, but I think yesterday or the day before, um, that is to say Monday or Tuesday of this week, Jerry was on his weekly radio show um, and kind of got after the hosts for asking, I guess, half-tough questions. And to me, that's like problem number one, is why is your owner on a weekly football show every week answering as if he's the guy in charge of the decisions and in this case i think it's because oftentimes he is it,
1: it's trump calling into fox news is basically jerry's right. <laughs> radio show
0: <laughs> and that's completely masturbatory and yeah. and
1: it's more of a pr exercise, exercise than it <laughs> is an exercise in journalism you know
0: right. sure. <laughs> um, but yeah I, I think i think the cowboys have had flashes of potential and success over the last you know 15 years really since the quincy carter years um that's a throwback that's all i'm gonna I'm go- trey thomas john running quincy carter i'm gonna keep talking about football players from 2004 uh, and yeah this sound. is a,
1: this is a the the eras <laughs> this podcast covers is 2000 to 2006 and then yep. last year <laughs> <laughs>
0: <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> whatever yeah. year it is
1: you it is last really year
0: The two Super
1: Bowls, the Giants won. Oh, and every time one of our teams won the Super Bowl. I remember 2017. You remember 2011 and 2007. (laughs) Those three years are the only three years that happened between the time we were 13 and a year ago. I
0: wish.
1: You know, I I think it's worth talking about for a brief moment. Uh, Just my biggest thing with the Cowboys. This may sound weird, but but I want them to be good. I want the Giants Um. to be good. The only team I don't want to be good is the Redskins. <laughs> the Redskins
0: again. The Washington.
1: <laughs> again. The only team I don't want to be good is Washington. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I don't I, want the I don't want them to beat the Eagles, but I want a good division. You know what I mean? I want to be up for these games, and I want to have yeah. them be competitive. I want to watch good football in this division again. You know. I get it. I get and it. you know, I really the thing that gets under my skin about the Cowboys is just how bad they've approached roster construction in the modern NFL to set them up for success. You know, I, I don't, I don't get how you can objectively look at the way, where they have money tied at what positions and expect anything less than than below average at best performance year in year out you know i feel like their ceiling is already lower than what it should be so that when they come up short it's not that much of a shock they're just underperforming already an already low ceiling for what the skill players on that team should be able to be putting out you know what i mean like the problem is is that all your money is sunk into three wide receivers and ezekiel elliott And you haven't signed well around them, you know what I mean. And
0: you need to draft really, really well. The moment you sink money into your running back, and you know your your Amari Coopers of the world, and what have you, like like your cornerback, your your cornerbacks better be on rookie deals, and they better be filthy. And the Cowboys just do not have that. No, they're
1: they're they're a flashy team that. Anyone who doesn't watch their offensive line and their secondary and their linebackers without Leighton Vander Esch play uh, will look at and say, "Oh, Amari Cooper," and they drafted Ceedee Lamb, and you know uh, uh, what? Michael, yeah, Michael Gallup, he's good. Zeke Elliott, he'll run around, he'll he'll do stuff. Like anyone objectively just looking at that team will think that they're going to be good, right? Yeah. But we know going into it that there it's shininess around a husk of just like a bad core and a bad spine in the team, right? And I still think that's good enough to win a division, but that's not good enough win to win a championship, year. you know?
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, I, That's why I thought maybe 10 wins from this team. But now you're seeing what the worst of that could be, right? It's like, obviously, this transition from Garrett to uh to mccarthy has not gone well right um that is probably contributing to the performance their injuries are probably contributing to this right but it was already a lower ceiling than what you would think this team should be operating at you know and i think that's why you're seeing them be this bad you know
0: yeah and i think they're totally mentally deflated too i think that's going to be when we get to the previews we can talk about that more i think Can this team even muster up the fire? I mean, they're they're still in it, man. They're two and five, which in this division is like you might as well be five and two. You're right there. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the Giants are out of this, dude. I want the Giants to like win games. Oh man, I love
1: (laughs) two and five is the NFC East. Five and two. Eagles above average, half game above average. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, let's, before we jump into previews, just, I, I want to give Washington some time here. Do we put yeah. any stock in this? Because, I, I mean, they are time. also in it <laughs> now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, on, uh, I, I, I don't know, like, I from what I watched this game, uh, they were absolutely bossing around the Gi- or the uh, Cowboys on the offensive defensive lines. I expect that from the Redskins' defensive line; that's been their strong suit for the past god knows how many years. Yeah, uh, the offensive line has been bad before this game, but I don't think that them being good is any sort of uh, bellwether for how good they'll look next week. Yeah. Uh, I think it's more having to do with how bad the Cowboys are in that department right now. Um, You know, they gave Kyle Allen time. They looked good, but uh, is it... it, Are they a good team that maybe is turning a corner with Kyle Allen now behind uh, under center um, that maybe can be a dark horse potentially in this division? Or did they make a bad team look as bad as what they are?
0: So, I think they are pretty bad in league terms obviously in division terms i think they're pretty good i think they should have beaten the giants two weeks ago they had a funky they went for it um for two points didn't have just kind of a general weird turn of affairs it's classic nfc east nonsense right like you play the whole game and then it ends up going down to the last 45 seconds where a shirtless fan waving is like it alters the field goal and you know, everything's different because of it. Um, One of those types of games, I think they could be, you can make an argument that Washington could be three and four right now. They've had some ugly losses this year, but it doesn't look hopeless to me. They have, they're going into a bye. then they're playing the Giants, then they're playing the Lions, then they're playing the Bengals and the Cowboys. Those are very winnable games for a bad team. If you can go three and one in those games, you're five and six in the division, which I don't even know what that equals in real terms across the league.
1: We got to come up with the uh, the <laughs> NFC adjusted algorithm, <laughs> the NFC adjusted win rate, just a
0: heavily weighted scale. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but really, like, like you know, Haskins, I think obviously wasn't getting it done uh i don't know if Allen is i think Allen is like i guess game manager type material he'll complete passes but i
1: mean he he got the ball deep to mclaurin which yeah, is enough for me to see that like he at least can manage the game and make use of the pieces around him yeah, right get get in play um, action
0: and make something happen
1: i i just i think a lot of what was working for the redskins from what i saw was they got the run game going i just don't know how likely it is they can get that going week in, week out against teams that are not named the Dallas Cowboys, you know? And I, yeah. I, I respect the Redskins. I think of the new coaching hires. I, it doesn't surprise me that Ron Rivera's team is the one actually playing like they've been playing under this coach for a couple of seasons already. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of just like discipline and effort, you mm-hmm. know uh, McCarthy, I don't think is getting what even Jason Garrett got out of that Cowboys team. Uh, Joe judge, I think is rounding into his own right now, um, but did not start the year. Well, um, as a head coach and, you know, Peterson's Eagles are Peterson's Eagles. So, you know, I, I, I like their hustle. I like, I like uh, what they're producing. I just don't, I just don't think they have the roster and I I don't, I don't know. I have to see, I, I think, I don't think the Giants are going to be a good litmus test, but we'll see. What, we'll see what they are after this run of games they have. I guess.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, again, I think they have. It's it's prove it time for them. They are very much in it, and uh, we'll see. Trust the defense, and I, I. It sounds like you want everybody else to be good except for Washington. I don't know what to me. <laughs> I guess you're cheering against Washington.
1: But, um, let me let me let me rephrase that. I just think the Giants and the Cowboys are the most likely to be good just by virtue of their ownership and their markets. Right. I expect more from these teams. Washington, I think has been in the doldrums of uh, Lansdale, Maryland, (laughs) wherever the hell they play Uh, (laughs) for, for 20 years now. And I, I don't think I just, they got to get people out to see them play before they even, start wanting to play well, you know, maybe that's actually why they look really competitive now. It's just during lockdown,
0: they're they important. have
1: home field advantage. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is the ghost town that we are conditioned to. It's, it's Landover, Maryland. I, that's right. I know. You're a local, you know, this is Philly fan credibility because Lansdale. Bob, that's right. <laughs> <they're established.
1: laughs> Man, you move to Texas, you just forget everything.
0: <laughs>
1: I was trying to I was I was picturing Madden 2003 in my head in the stadium. Like <laughs> when it announces what stadium you're going to. Like, the like what jam sweet Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like we're coming to you today from Landover, Maryland. I was trying to see what word that was in my head. Um all right, let's uh, let's preview the games coming up yep. this week for these for these guys. Uh, Washington's on a bye. They have the Giants Week Nine, but we're treated while Washington's off to a double <laughs> dip prime time <laughs> for the NFC East Sunday and Monday Night Football. Uh, let's talk about Giants Bucks first. Uh, we
0: Monday Night Football. <laughs> <laughs>
1: No, I think I, it's a you're it's a blood oath you signed with ESPN. You have to go on on Monday night no matter what.
0: Tony Kornheiser comes out with a guillotine. <laughs> <laughs> when was the last time Tony Kornheiser was associated with Monday Night Football? <laughs> 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 oh I'm like, man, ninety oh, year old man and all I can conjure up are <laughs> <laughs> <from my> childhood. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, Giants Bucks this is going to be a hard watch for me. I think the bucks are loaded. Uh, Tom Brady is a system quarterback and the bucks have a great system. So, yeah,
1: I think that's what we're seeing.
0: <laughs> it's tough. It's t- You know, I, I think the question for the giants is always, how do they score? And as usual, it's hard to see kind of that path to success against <clears throat> a tricky bucks defense. Um, I, I think, especially since it's. I'm mean, granted the Giants have had borderline two weeks to prep for this game, but I think it's a waste of rest time. I, I don't see it making a difference. So, should I give a score prediction or what should we, how are we handling that?
1: Let's, uh... I was just thinking do a little bit of a preview of what we expect from the game. Uh, but if you oh, want to yeah. give a score, you can give a score
0: 35 13 blowout central. I uh, hope I'm wrong, but Bucks are going to. I think that's control.
1: fair. I I do think, though, I think the Giants are good enough to get a garbage-time score and make it more like a 35-20-something. That
0: would be true. Maybe they have you know? that.
1: <laughs> like, I do think that I, I completely get that's it fair. being a 30-something to 13 game with maybe five minutes left in the fourth. Still think the Giants get a score or two there, though. That's, that's but I don't think it's—I don't think it's ever close. I don't think it's ever a thing of like, oh my god, the Giants might pull this off. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right, Eagles, Cowboys. I think the Eagles win. Um, I don't think it's close. But mm-hmm. what will make it close is if the. I, I was telling you this entering <laughs> the Giants game, where the Eagles are getting into this. Uh, into this period of season where they're starting to get guys back in mass. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, last week it was Lane Johnson and Deshaun Jackson both came back, but Deshaun immediately went back on IR. Shot, um, and too. that came <laughs> this week. It looks like Jalen Rager is coming back. Um, it also looks like, uh, who else is likely on their way back? Uh, I believe Jason Peters is also on the rebound hmm. for this week, and I, it's like yet to be seen whether he'll kick back into guard or take Jordan Mylotte's place at tackle. My concern is, though, is historically, by my eyes, Peterson has not integrated new pieces well, at least in the first week coming back. I I think he, he was smart enough to get away from Deshaun Jackson after yeah. kind of using him to like spark some stuff. Uh, Or at least try to establish some stuff early on in the game. It pretty much, even though he was on the field until he, you know, got injured in that punt return, the rest of the offense pretty much flowed through Fulgham, Richard Rogers, and John Hightower, just like it did, you know, for the past like couple weeks. Yep. My concern is, is that, you know, the more we get back, the more variables it adds to Doug's plate to try and manage and integrate back into the system. And that may, get us away from what's been working even though it's not good. <laughs> um sure. I am just saying like obviously like I want this offense to start hitting deep balls to Rager. I want this offense to start uh only viewing Greg Ward as a possession receiver and fold him <laughs> as a as a you know like yeah. that's what I want and I know I have to go through the pain of transition to get there, right? But I also don't want the inevitable hanging Carson Wentz, you know, pick yeah. off of a miscommunication with his receiver or a sack because Jason Peters doesn't know his responsibilities on a on an inside block or something to be a turning point in this game at all, you know? Um, like, I want to go into it feeling like the Eagles team is what it is and we're going to play the game we know how to play and win or lose no matter what, right? Um, that to me is like the one inroad that the Cowboys can have to maybe turn the game. And they do have the players to keep momentum if they do get a turn. Uh, I, I just, if the Eagles can keep the, the, the feet on their throats, I don't see how the Cowboys are organized coached well enough or have the firepower now down Prescott and potentially down Dalton to actually mount that big of a, of a push against the Eagles team. Uh, I guess I'll throw out a, I'll say 27 to 14. Okay. Score. The,
0: you know, I think it says a lot about your faith in the Eagles offense that they can only put up twenty seven, but <laughs> <laughs> I that does feel like a hedge. I but I mean they did hold Washington to twenty three or whatever.
1: And the Washington offense honestly was right is there. the Eagles offense. Yeah. Without <laughs> Without, you know, potentially without Miles Sanders, potentially without, uh you know, well, definitely without any of their top receivers, just getting Rager back. You know, Rager is maybe a McLaurin comp, right? But like, no, you know. Very, like,
0: yeah, optimistic, I think.
1: No, I mean, I don't think that's a ceiling at all. I'm just saying in terms of type of player, yes. right? Yeah, yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, um, otherwise, we're, we haven't been breaking games the entire season. Uh, and I don't see us doing it now, you know. Yeah. But I do think we move the ball. And we do. I do think we score.
0: All right.
1: If I mean, if that holds, it'll be our first non-second half win of the season, which I I think that's a blowout in NFC's terms.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, every literally everything we said, and maybe we should put this disclaimer up front in future episodes everything we say is within the context of the nfc east universe and should not be taken or extended without uh express written consent of John John. you know i am completely with you a,
1: a good team probably hangs 30 to 40 on this cowboys <laughs> defense right, right. i um, think i think uh, i think an eagles 40 point game is a 27 point game right. <laughs> All right, uh, let's close it out. I, I think we want to close the segment every week yep. called "Take Take Around the League." Let's say it. We're going to air one one league hot take, non NFC East related, that we'll leave you guys on. Uh,
0: Sean, you want to go first? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, okay, so I think the Pittsburgh Steelers are frauds, uh, <laughs> <at this point. laughs> not for real beating, bullying bad teams for most of the time. They play the NFC East, for example, so there's some thematic tie-in there. Um, Ben Roethlisberger has been hard-carried by stacked rosters for as long as I've been alive. Uh, But I don't think they're going to... I think they're peaking. It's that classic team that gets hot too early. They look incredible. By the time the playoffs roll around, they're losing in the divisional game.
1: I'm with you. I, I think that's a fair take. Um I gotta start the pod getting out something about myself and that is that
0: we're introducing the uh, third Sean. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there there's one person that I think uh gets way too much boy genius credit in the NFL, and that's Sean McVeigh. Um let's just run through the facts about Sean McVeigh and let's not subscribe to the narrative around him. Um, I will give credit where credit is due. DVOA wise, offensive efficiency wise, his offenses are very good. Um, What I will not give him credit for is making a Super Bowl where his offense could only score three points. Um, Compared to my boy, Doug Peterson, (laughs) hanging... 44 on the same team the year prior um it is egregious that Sean McVay gets so much slack and so much hype in this league and other offensive coaches around the league aren't given nearly as much credit for similarly innovative and more effective work i feel so to that end i think the uh I think the Rams are falling into a bit of a Belichick trap here with McVay and giving him a little bit too much personnel power and sway. Um,
0: Can you explain the Belichick trap? Because it feels like Belichick is a good thing.
1: So here's here's what I mean about the Belichick trap. Uh, Bill Belichick is a legendary head coach, and he has earned the right to operate as de facto GM and basically de facto offensive and defensive coordinator (laughs) (laughs) across his entire organization. And he's proven that with that power, he can still win championships, right? Um, And it's been power. He's accrued uh, since 2001. He was not given these keys in 2001. Uh, It's been something that has grown over time. However, since that paradigm exists, In the same way that, you know, uh, the Aaron Rodgers contract moves the Overton window for quarterback contracts and get Nets, you know, Mahomes, the largest contract in history, um, the precedent exists for that to be something that other coaches expect. And we saw it happen in Philly with Chip Kelly. His offensive genius moniker earned him GM after two 10 and six seasons. To which he completely gutted the roster and left the Eagles a husk of their former selves, with some still some pretty decent holdovers from the Reed era. And I, I think that the Rams are similarly primed for a situation like that. I think that the more sway you give an unproven head coach who hasn't even gotten a ring yet, uh, to have influence over sides of the ball and areas of the game he maybe doesn't have an expertise in the worse off your team is
0: that checks out and uh what i like what i think i like about this take segment is we're never gonna say anything nice about any <laughs> team it's no more, i mean none of us are ever gonna have a positive take no it's this is
1: this is, <laughs> we this podcast is not for anyone it is for us <laughs> <laughs>
0: It's an NFC East podcast.
1: Yeah, to like air our grievances and this is <laughs> weekly therapy, man. And,
0: you know, somehow I feel worse. <laughs> That's well out of ten. We're at like a 3.7 now.
1: <laughs> well, we'll have to give it another try next week, man. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> this
0: was a pleasure. Uh it's great talking to you. Uh, and I can't wait to see what next week holds. Awesome, man. All right, have a good one. Yep, take it easy.